UMass Hockey desperately needed a win on the road against Northeastern, and they got it in thrilling fashion with a go-ahead goal near the end of the third. We're here to break it all down, and we have our first fully happy pod in a while, so let's go. character hello everybody and welcome to episode 107 of high character presented by home field apparel umass got a very well needed win over the weekend just one game against northeastern on the road uh we said coming in it was an absolute must win and they got the job done uh it was stressful for a little while they scored with three minutes left in the game but they get the two to one road win they get those three points and we are feeling good my name is Cameron, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Evan. Evan, how you doing, man? Can't can't be doing much better than this. I mean, big win. We're sponsored now, so things things are looking good. Um, really happy with that win, of course. You know, I I I don't know how I would describe it. I don't know if I want to go as far to say like it's like a character, like a culture win. You know what I mean? But we found a way. I thought that was you know what we really needed to do. We've had some issues closing out games, you know, over the past couple weeks, and this time. I feel like we we dominated for the first two periods. We had a little bit of difficulty in the third, but we got the job done. Big win, big hockey East points. Really feeling good, and I'm ready to talk about it in this episode, Cam. Yeah, and before we jump into it, obviously at the start we said presented by Home Field Apparel. Uh, we're super excited to announce our partnership with them for the rest of the year. If you haven't heard about them, you've probably seen some of their designs in and around Mullins and McGurk and stuff like that. They are an officially licensed provider that sells all kinds of college team merchandise a lot of throwback designs as you'll see really high quality stuff they're a great company and they have some really nice thoughtful designs a lot of cool umass stuff and stuff coming in the future so could be more excited to partner up with them yeah i mean realistically like you know to take a look at their catalog i mean they have a lot of like the old school kind of like logos and stuff like on their t-shirts like they're rocking the triangle on a couple of the tees and hoodies that they sell they got some of the old school like curse of you stuff for people that are into that i just think some of their designs are super cool like loving the Sam the Minuteman that's kind of just chilling on a lot of the designs too. So definitely some cool stuff. And I'm, you know, like you said, definitely really, really happy to be kind of, you know, officially affiliated with them now. I mean, I think, I think that's just a really big, you know, kind of step in the right direction for us. And I think everybody involved, I think it's gonna be super, super cool. Yeah. And we're, we're picky. We wouldn't do a partnership if we didn't like fully buy in oh, to the company and we're definitely fully bought in the home field, high quality, some great designs. They're going to have more, like I said, more UMass designs coming out and we're going to have uh, some fun partnership opportunities with them coming up. So make sure you stay tuned to our socials. Um, we're going to have some, some pretty fun news coming up in the next couple of weeks. So happy to be partnered with home field. If you want to check them out, homefieldapparel.com just head over to their schools page and go go look at umass still you're you're definitely going to like what you see and there's more coming so excited to be partnered with them it's going to be fun yes sir feeling great about that and i cannot wait to talk about this uh this exciting game that we have uh, to talk about here today i think we're ready to move into it eh, Cam? yeah let's let's discuss so um you said character win for umass i i think i would say that um just taking a holistic look at this game i think umass took charge for the vast majority of it. Some some weird shenanigans happening with uh, calls and stuff like that. We'll, we'll get into all that, but UMass played really well. We we mm -hmm. mentioned at the end of last week that this might be the most must-win game on the schedule uh, so far this season. Uh, 
just Northeastern not having a great year, but we dug into their numbers. They actually like behind behind the their record are pretty decent. Um, they were injury riddled the first half of the year, started to get a bunch of guys back. So knew it wasn't going to be an easy game, but to get out of Matthews, uh, kind of usually a hostile place to play to get out of there with a regulation winning the three points. Absolutely massive, especially with the two weeks break coming up here. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, in in some kind of cases throughout the season, you know, we've definitely won games that we may have, you know, deserved to lose. We probably lost some games that we've deserved to win. It feels good to have, in my opinion, a nice solid hockey game with a really good performance and we get the the correct result in my mind at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the first two periods, I think the shot difference was something insane. Like I think we might have been up to like 28 shots at one point, I think through two, and they were only at like maybe 13 or so. I'm yeah. I'm, at, I'm trying to pull back up the box. Looks like it was make... it was 29 to 18 at the end of the second. Yeah, so that's like, I mean, that's a pretty, you know, big time out shooting right there. Like we outshot them in the second. Actually, no, I lied. So after the first period, we had them up 12 to three in shots, which I'd say is pretty dominant, you know, and mm-hmm. props to, you know, the Northeastern Tendi, uh, Cameron Whitehead. He, he, he came to play, you know what I mean? This, this was, you know, and this is not to discredit, you know, Rabble, this was a freaking goalie battle. You know what I mean? Like both goalies were on the top of their game. I think they both had, you know, shot totals in like the mid thirties. So, you know, huge, huge game for, for both goaltenders. And it's great to see Rabble come out on top with some really, really big saves. I think he was a major part that, you know, the game was so close, but, you know, fair play to UMass for definitely getting a lot of shots on, on Whitehead and, Eventually, we got two past him, which ended up being the difference. Yeah, and stop me if I've said this before, but nice bounce back game for Michael Harabel. Yeah, um, obviously yeah. he got to start again, uh, and uh, some key lineup changes for UMass ahead of this game. Samuli Ninasari, he's been out for six weeks since before that holiday break in December. Finally, slots back in on defense. He was a big presence, and then we hinted at it last week at the end of the Merrimack series that there could be some some lineup shakeups, uh, especially for the forwards, and that indeed did happen. Um, third line, the rookie line of Suniev, Musa, and Donzel Schmelis, completely blown up. Um, not for any fault of their own. They've been the the highest producing line basically the whole season. Uh, Suniev. Sloss on the first line with Mercury and Lautenbach. Musa goes to the second line with Connors and O'Hara. Uh, and Donzel Schmel stays on the third with Michael Cameron and Nicholas Van Tassel, uh, who's been uh, a lot better of recently. And spoiler alert, was, was great in this game as well. And the third line pretty much stays the same. Liam Gorman comes in for Lucas Vanderboyce. Vanderboyce, uh, we just learned, is going to be out for a little while. Um, a significant amount of time, Carvey said. So uh, not great news there. And, and no Taylor McCarr. We saw him take uh, a wrist shot off of his wrist in the Merrimack Road game. Um, we were we were sitting right up, right behind the bench. He had a huge knot on his wrist. Didn't didn't look great, but Carvey said it shouldn't be too long. But uh, the the biggest lineup shakeups we've seen this entire season so far. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like I kind of like alluded to it. I feel like it was probably needed with you know how well the freshman line was playing, but kind of how tepid the other top two lines were really playing. Like. They were playing fine, but they weren't really getting it done offensively. I think they kind of needed a bit of a boost. It's actually interesting, though, because I ended up watching the post-game presser with Carvey, and it seemed like Carvey was basically saying that the the lineup shakeups were actually due to the injuries rather than, like, performance. He basically said, like, you know, if he had Taylor and if he had Vanderboys, he probably would have just rolled the same lines. At least that's kind of how it sounded. 
according to his answer. I don't remember his exact quote off the top of my head, but essentially it was something along the lines of, you know, I want to have my whole team, you know, basically it, we had guys injured. We had to make some changes. So I, I found it a little interesting, you know, just with that overall answer. Cause I feel like in my opinion, the, the changes would have been warranted, you know, just in, you know, regards to, you know, how the team was playing at the time. I just feel like a shakeup would have been needed, but According to Carvey, it was mainly injury oriented. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Cameron. You know, I don't. It just seemed a little, a little odd to me. I feel like this would have been a perfect time to say, "Yeah, we wanted to shake up the lines a little bit, get some other guys going." And I feel like, you know, a lot of the other lines were buzzing. I feel like holistically, all of the lines looked very dangerous. You know, last night against Northeastern. So I thought it was a good choice. Yeah, I. It's a. He's gonna have a hard time convincing me that it wasn't performance based. They're just trying to get a, a jolt out of the guys. Um, obviously the. The injuries provide an, an easy answer to say this is why we shook up the lines, but um, I think I think that both of us are kind of reading between those and saying, hey, the, the team needed the jolts, um, split up that line that's been so electric, and put put one guy on each of the top three lines and see what happens. So, um, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty fair to say it was kind of kind of a little mix of both for this situation, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's those are the big lineup notes going into this game. Um, this game starts out pretty slow. I think halfway through the first period, we both said it seemed a little boring almost. There's not a lot of chances going either way. So that lasted about the first 12 minutes or so. Um, and then, then UMass started to to take control a little bit. The ice shifted in their direction, started to get some chances. Uh, but yeah, kind of a quality of this team that we've seen this whole season is slow starts or just kind of nothing starts, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, I mean, I was absolutely ecstatic with kind of you know just overall how the first period went i feel like there were definitely some chances you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it ended up culminating what was it it was a Lautenbach goal basically on shorthanded mind you but i mean regardless of you know kind of just you know obviously goals are super important but i was just very happy with kind of the, the the pace that we were playing at it felt like you know Northeastern really wasn't getting anything offensively. Like they would get a little bit of zone time every now and then, but it never, you know, culminated to shots really. Like it was just a little bit of cycling in the zone, but it didn't really look like they were wearing us down or they were making anything dangerous. It was just kind of, they had the puck just for the sake of having the puck. You know what I mean? Which can be a decent game plan in theory, because if you have the puck, the, you know, the other team doesn't, which means that they can't score. But I feel like if they wanted to win this hockey game, they had to challenge us a little bit more. And it felt like, especially through the first period, but even partially through the second, there wasn't really that much, you know, pressure for them to kind of try and break down our defense. It felt like, you know, Ninasari was a huge help, you know, in that in that effort for sure. You know, he was a very welcome addition back into the defensive core. But just in general, it felt like we were defending super, super well. And we didn't really give them any clean looks to try and take advantage mm-hmm. of, at least early. Yeah, you uh, you jumped the gun on me a little bit there. I know. I uh, apologize. <laughs> about uh, about 14 minutes into the first period, uh, kind of against the grain of play, Lucas Mercury commits a cross-checking penalty. Uh, UMass goes to the penalty kill, and we see a pretty a pretty rough turnover for Northeastern in their own offensive zone. Cole O'Hara is able to skate away with the puck at a two-on-one with Ryan Lautenbach, and he, he dishes a pass over to Lautenbach. He goes – Backhand, forehand, just a quick little easy move there to get one past Cameron Whitehead and, and make it one nothing shorthanded. So pretty, pretty nice. And we were ecstatic to see a, a shorty to take the lead in the first. Yeah. And that right there, I feel like is UMass of speed being really, really helpful. Like we like basically everybody that was on the ice during this play 
is the guy that's known for having pretty solid skating speed. You know what I mean? Especially shorthanded. You kind of need that if you want to generate some offense going the other way. We, we've seen Lautenbach do this before. I think that was the second shorthanded goal of the season. He's like basically our Brad Marchand. You know what I mean? For lack of a better term. Like loves getting shorthanded goals, being chippy. He's not the biggest guy on the ice, but he's quick and he has skill when it matters. And that that's basically exactly what happened here. Like, you know, took took advantage of the turnover. Don't get me wrong. But like Owen Murray's out there on this play. He's a quick guy. You know what I mean? Lautenbach's a quick guy. Cole Hara is quick. There was a lot of speed and it ended up being a, a great pass, great finish from Lautenbach. And a great way to, to, you know, take the lead, especially in a game where, you know, it was 0-0 up until this point. It, it kind of seemed like first goal is probably going to win this game because they'll get the momentum on their side. And that ended up being us, which was absolutely huge, especially in the first, especially late in the first. You know, you want to go into the into the intermission on a high note. You're feeling good. And that was exactly what happened. Yeah, and UMass took that one nothing lead into the locker room. As we said earlier, 12-3 to in shots for this period. So uh, really dominated towards the end. That domination continued well into the second. UMass uh, all over Northeastern in terms of chances. Uh, not so much in terms of shots this period, but uh, the ice was definitely tilted in their favor for quite a while. Um, and then, again, kind of against the grain of play, late in the second period, uh, just over three minutes left, we see Northeastern start to get a little bit more zone time, kind of kind of cycle on the puck in UMass's defensive zone. And... Pito Walton, he's able to just put a wrister on from near the blue line. Just a, a perfect rebound out towards Brett Edwards of Northeastern. Kind of four UMass guys are kind of all circling the net. This is just a perfect bounce right to Edwards' stick. He's able to put home that rebound and make it 1-1. Uh, and kind of, I would say it was definitely against the grain of play at the end of the second here. And uh, at this point, really didn't feel like it should be a tied game. But it was 1-1 one, one, uh, late in the second. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I could add is that, like, I mean, Northeastern, I think, had, like, one or two chances maybe in the first period. But they were, like, half chances. Like, it would have required a ridiculous play for them to score. But they they had, I think, you know, one or two semi-open looks that, you know, they kind of screwed up a little bit. This yep. is the one where it's, like, you know, everything is kind of culminated into a perfect position for them. I, I, I have the, the, the video actually perfectly paused right here. I think there might be... Let, let's do the quick count. There's so there's at least six players just bunched up in front of the net here and Rabble sprawling trying to get across. I mean, there were so many bodies in front. It was tough for Rabble to, to track that. I mean, it was such a quick rebound and shot. It, it was just kind of a perfect bounce. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's going to happen eventually. Like that, that right there, this type of goal is, I feel like perfect bulletin board material for just any hockey team out there that says, here's how you score goals on a really, really good team. You need to be able to put the puck on net because good things will happen the moment that you put the puck on net. And it's a perfect example of that. Like both teams in this game ended up with 35 shots. You know what I mean? You're going to get good looks like this, especially if you take more shots on. And that, that's exactly what happened here. I don't think there's anything that UMass could have inherently done better. It was a blocker side shot that ended up getting a big rebound. That's why you take those types of shots. It, it is what it is. You know what I mean? I, I don't really blame anybody on this. It was just an unfortunate bounce. Yeah, it was certainly an unfortunate bounce. Um, and they would take that lead or the the tie, I should the say, tie. into the locker room. Um, yeah. You got to stick with me here because a lot of weird stuff happened between the end of the second and the, the start of the third. So Ryan Lautenbach commits an interference call with one minute left in the second period. Uh, 
took another look at that one. It seemed really soft. It was kind of a two-on-one. Uh, Loud back ties up the guy's stick, and the guy goes down. You see that play all the time on odd man rushes, but for some reason they called Loud back for the penalty. So that that power play for Northeastern goes into the third. And then at the start of the third, everything seems normal until we see Carvey talking to the, the refs before the initial puck drop. Then all of a sudden we see Cam O'Neill go to the penalty box. We're like, what's going on? Um, they called a bench minor for, uh, I forget what the call it's a, it's is. It's a protocol violation. Allegedly. Yeah, that's what it is. Protocol yeah. violation. Um, we heard a little bit afterwards from people watching on TV that they said UMass came out too early from the <laughs> tunnel. We've never heard, we've seen it too late. Um, obviously, I, I guess that could be like delay a game type thing. I, I understand that one a little bit. Uh, but they said UMass came out too early to start the third period, even though they have a Northeastern official open the door for them when yeah. they should be ready. So um, that's what we like to call a hockey East special right there. Absolutely absurd penalty given the situation. And all of a sudden UMass goes to the five on three and definitely a sketchy start to the third. Yeah. And I mean, this, this right here is where having a, a goalie that's locked in makes all the difference. You know what I mean? Especially when random things like this happen, which, I mean, I don't want to sound like a salty guy, right? But like, how is that on UMass? You know what I mean? Like, we didn't open the door. You know, what I mean? it's not like it's not like we're banging on on like the corner board saying, "Let us out, let us out, we got to get out there." Like, you know, what I, mean? I mean, maybe they are. Maybe these guys are just really. Maybe UMass loves hockey too much for their own good, and they wanted to get out there too early. I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's layers to like allowing people to get onto the ice. We don't fully control all those layers. Something that was out of our control must have happened there because it's not like we're letting ourselves out there. Like you said, there's I think there's a Northeastern official or somebody there that's opened up the door, but it is what it is. And luckily, Frabble was on his game in this penalty kill. Like he, you know, we were basically penned in our zone for almost the entire two minutes. I think we got one or two clears, which were great. Don't get me wrong, but it was really up to Frabble to kind of you know, earn his keep, if you will. And he, he did his job. And then some, he looked absolutely electric, honestly, throughout the whole game, but this was where he really had to shine. I don't know what it is with UMass goaltenders and looking electric on five on threes. Jackson Irving did it first in his first ever collegiate hockey, you know, minutes. Mm -hmm. And now we have Rabble absolutely killing it on a five on three in this case as well. So I don't know if we just practice it a ton, but we look really, really good when it comes to, you know, two man advantage penalty kills for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I will say uh, Northeastern's power play didn't look great this entire night, so that, yeah. was, that was kind of a factor there as well. But uh, just one last thing on that penalty. Um, it'll probably not be available by the time this episode drops, but uh, taking a look at the UMass Hockey Instagram story, uh, it shows the boys before they go out for the third period. Um, they're just chilling in the tunnel, not antsy to get out at all. It's just uh, Mercury and Cole Brady at the start. And you see the lights go out for the the special special effects there, and the door gets open, and they just walk out. So um, crazy that this is allowed to even be called a penalty, <laughs> like especially when you're the road team not controlling any of that. But um, absolutely wild. And, and UMass makes it not matter; they kill off the penalty. Uh, all all is well, I guess. Then later later in the period, just a few minutes later, we see Lucas Mercury. Uh, he gets called for two minutes for boarding. Northeastern challenges the play. They go take a look at it, and they give him a five-minute major penalty, um, which makes makes UMass doing a lot of penalty killing in the first half of the third here. We went back and watched this replay. 
Uh, it really didn't look bad at all. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how you can call a major on that. There was no head contact. Um, the way he actually hit the guy was not malicious in the slightest. He didn't end up getting a game uh, game misconduct and thrown out of the game for it. So uh, clearly there was no intention. Uh, I don't I don't know if you saw something differently than me. I, I feel like there's no way you can call this a major penalty, and it uh, had major implications on this game, as it was called. I mean, I'm seeing a shoulder-to-shoulder hit. You know what I mean? Yes, is it relatively near the boards? Sure. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, when I think of boarding, right, I'm thinking you're you're hitting a guy clean on the numbers and you're just absolutely crunching his neck into the boards. You know what yeah. I mean? This was, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder. The guy saw him, literally turned his shoulder into Merck's to try and absorb the hit, knowing what was going to happen. Like, I don't know. It's just – granted, I'm not a referee. I'm not, I'm not a specialist in this, but – I didn't see anything malicious. I, if anything, maybe you give two minutes, you know, potentially, but I feel like certainly not five in my opinion, but again, it is what it is. We end up clear, you know, we end up killing it off. So, you know, again, no harm, no foul, but we didn't make it easy for ourselves in this third period. You know, the, the yeah. third period was definitely full of, you know, I think, I think Carvey's term was adversity. I think that is a good way to put it, whether if it was, you know, self-imposed or not, that's that's up for debate but there was definitely some some adversity for sure but i'm happy to see that we got through it and we were able to you know take matters into our own hands and and control our own destiny a little bit i feel like it was it was good yeah you uh you said no harm no foul uh i would argue there definitely was some harm in this five minute power play um we haven't seen anything like this before pretty early on the five minute major uh a puck got redirected and hit referee tim benedetto right in the mouth yeah, um, we were we were right in front of it when it happened. Uh, he immediately covered his face. Um, he was pouring and, blood. Yeah, skated over to the northeastern bench. He was he was leaking pretty bad. Left a trail of blood. Uh, caused a delay. They they went over and picked up his tooth off the ice um, before play resumed. So there there was a pretty lengthy delay. Uh, hope all is all is well with him. Uh, we know he lost the chiclet for sure. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that wasn't great to see. Um, for I. We were we were talking. Why don't referees wear the the full face mask? And then two seconds later, we're like, oh, they need to blow the whistle. So yeah, uh, obviously weird. they can't. But uh, hope he's doing all right. Cra- crazy play. We've never seen anything like that before in person. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think this is the second time that we've seen a semi major injury. You know, in the mm-hmm. past couple of months. You know, going back to when a Providence player it was like Yaroslav Chamelar. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably screwing up his name, but I remember he got his wrist cut at one point. So. Had a little bit of blood on the ice over the past couple months, which I feel like is a bit of a rarity normally. Mm-hmm. But you know, for it to happen a couple times, you know, you never want to see that type of stuff. Of course, we can we can chirp refs all we want. Do we want them to get injured? No, I mean, no. I at least I could say that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there are some sickos out there that are probably that serious. I think we did hear a puck don't lie at one point during during that, which I thought was a little funny. Don't get me wrong, but again, at the end of the day, you really don't want to see people get hurt. So. Definitely unfortunate there, but uh, happy to, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, everything's okay. They ended up, I think, playing the rest of the game with only three refs. They had, you know, one actual ref and then the two linesmen. I talked to you about it during the game. I'm curious to see what would happen if, God forbid, something happened to the other ref at the same time. Like, do they just, like, convert the linemen into refs? Or I I wonder what the protocol is for that. I feel like that'd be a really interesting question. I might look it up later, and I might post something about it on Twitter. But – yeah, well, you know, it was definitely a weird situation for sure, but hopefully he's all right. Yeah, and hopefully a, a situation that we never do have to see what happens there. Yeah. Um, that So that happened early in the penalty. 
um, kind of took a little momentum away from Northeastern, to be honest. Um, yeah. And UMass does an absolutely phenomenal job killing this penalty off. A lot of clears. Northeastern doesn't get very many high-quality chances at all. They get a good amount of shots in this time. Um, they were on the power play for the majority of the first half of the third, so they were able to even up the shots uh, during these penalties. But UMass penalty killers, uh, we don't have a special award for them, so uh, I think we got to highlight them here. They were they were yeah. phenomenal, especially in this uh, first half of the third year. Great job penalty killing. Yeah, the penalty kill was absolutely huge. I mean, it was definitely in part, you know, Rabble, I feel like a lot of it was Rabble, but we had some absolutely monumental shot blocks as well. Like the defense was out there putting in work. You know, I I heard one, it must have been off of a shin pad because it was it was a loud snap. Like I thought someone's leg broke, dude. Like that's how fast the shot was going, and you could hear it go off the pad. It was insane, but really really good. You know, there was a lot of shot blocks. The bench was going ballistic every time there was a mm. shot block. Like you could tell. The boys were fully into this game. You know what I mean? The body language was absolutely impeccable. You could tell just everybody was yelling. They were fully into it. Everybody was fully locked in. It was it was really, really good to see. I'm I'm really happy with the way that the team played, especially just again with all this, you know, all the penalties and all the adversity and stuff. UMass didn't quit. And I feel like that's why it's gonna culminate into a cool moment towards the end of the third period, which I'm not gonna spoil, but I'm gonna let you, Cam, talk about it. It was, and after these penalties got killed, UMass finally able to get out on offense a little bit. The rest of this period was, uh, at least until three minutes to go, pretty even, uh, yeah. if I'm being honest. Uh, some some quality chances either way. But a little over three minutes left, we see a really, really bad turnover in the defensive in Northeastern's defensive zone. Uh, Donzel Schmelis basically gets the puck passed to him by a Northeastern player. He's able to find an open Nick Van Tassel skating into the slot. And Van Tassel, with an absolute beauty of a snipe over the right shoulder of Cameron Whitehead, with three minutes to go, takes the lead, his first career goal. Uh, so he couldn't have had a bigger one right there to give UMass the lead. And that would do it. UMass strong defensively to close out this game. Uh, an absolutely electric moment there. Clutch goal from Nick Van Tassel for his first career. And we and all the other UMass fans, there were there were a good amount of them in this building, as there mm -hmm. always is, going absolutely crazy. Great win for the boys. A absolutely nuts goal from Van Tassel there. You like you knew it was coming eventually. Like he was he's been playing very, very well over the past like three to four weeks now. You could tell, like, you know, he made the fourth line very, very relevant. You know what I mean? Like the, the fourth line was playing great with him on it, especially with him and Cam O'Neill. Now when he moves up to the third line, he's getting, you know, a little bit more kind of, I don't want to say like offensively minded players with him, but having Loschmelis, who has been, you know, again, steadily improving over the course of the season, he took a little bit to kind of get comfortable at UMass, but I think he's really starting to hit his stride. Find Van Tassel. And the thing that I love about this goal is the confidence. You know what I mean? Like Van Tassel, in theory, if he wasn't really feeling confident in the moment, he probably could have tried a little sauce pass to, to Cam or to Michael Cameron out in front. But he said, screw it. You know, the, the defenseman was kind of cutting off the pass lane a little bit. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take the shot and see what happens. That's what I need to see out of more UMass players. I feel like sometimes we default to playing too many, you know, too much teams, you know, team oriented offense for our own good. Like when I see some of like the, you know, these top tier teams, you know, like your, 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 your BUs, you know, your, your North Dakotas, whatever it is, they have guys that will just, you know, basically take over the game by themselves. And they just have this abundance of confidence where they can just do whatever they want with the puck. 
that's what we need our players to do. You know what I mean? If you see an open an open chance, to take it. You know, take a shot. What's the worst that can happen? And this was a beautiful goal off of a beautiful shot. Very happy to, you know, just see the overall mentality from Van Tassel there to get it done. And, yeah, super, super happy that that was the way that we could cap this game off and get the win. For sure. And Carvey uh, echoes that sentiment with uh, um, a kind of wild quote. And I don't disagree with it, but uh, here's the quote. Um, that was probably our most complete game of the year. I thought for two periods we were outstanding and probably deserved to be ahead by a little more than we were. Yep. Third period, we had adversity. We killed a five-on-three and a five-minute penalty. I'm extremely proud of the team. They've grown all year, and I think we've reached a point now where they've got a lot of belief in themselves, and beating this team here tonight should go a long way. So um, very similar to some of the things you said about confidence and, and taking those opportunities. And, and for him to say the most complete game of the year, that's that's really high praise from this effort. And I don't really think he's that, you know, he's not really out of line in saying that. Like, granted, yes, we allowed 35 shots against. That's unfortunate. But I wouldn't really say that a lot of them were inherently high danger. No, like, a lot came on those penalty kills, too. Exactly. Like, that's not going to help us. You know what I mean? Like, you know, questionable calls aside, you know, you still have to be able to play, you know, clean hockey and, you know, make the best out of the penalty kill, which we did. Our penalty kill was tremendous. Don't get me wrong. But. You know, I feel like a lot of it was, you know, Prabble did his thing. You know what I mean? He he was very, very good. And, you know, it, it culminated into a big 2-1 win. You know, we were talking about it at length. We needed that. I think, I don't, you know, I mean, I get it. It's only one win right now this weekend. But it, I feel like it could be a turning point. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, Harvey said what he said for a reason. You can tell the spirits are very high in the locker room right now everybody's buzzing everybody's super excited the only thing that kind of sucks about this is the timing you know we don't play next weekend you know we're we're not playing until what is it february 2nd yep we have we have a little bit of time to kind of i'm not going to say cool down because i trust that this team is going to you know keep, keep focused mentally but i really do wish that we had more games next week because the momentum that we're riding right now after that you know very very good win it, it sucks that it might you know in theory fizzle out a little bit with kind of a, a week-long break like this well, I'd argue that this break is uh, pretty pivotal to get that win before it. You oh, could, for uh, sure. The obviously the vibes weren't great over the last couple of weeks with uh, the slow start to the second half of the year, but to go into a, a two-week break with that confidence and and with a nice win, uh, convince your if anything mentally, you can convince yourself that like this is the team that you are and you can continue to do this. Um, I think I think the the effects of going into a two-week break on a loss and poor team morale are definitely uh, much greater than the uh, like the two weeks kind of rubbing off the effects of that win. Uh, I think it was pretty monumental to go out with a dub like that. Don't get me wrong. I am not doubting that at all. I fully agree. I think I'm coming more from the perspective of, I wish there wasn't a break at all. You right. know what I mean? Like right. I definitely like, you know, if we, if we lost that game, maybe having a, you know, I don't know. You, you can kind of be in multiple schools of thought, right? Because like if we if if we in theory lost that game, right, and then with the two week break, you could argue, you know what? It gives them some time to mentally reset. You know what I mean? It'll give them a little bit of time off where they can kind of, you know, refocus, forget about the loss a little bit, and just go into you know the next game with a clean slate. So, I mean, I feel like you can kind of flip the narrative however way you want. Mm -hmm. Regardless, we got the dub. We're not going to play again for a little bit, but you know. This 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 was a good way to end this this little streak of games that we had. You know what I mean? We didn't look great early on in this uh, this kind of one month stretch that we had of games, but we're we're starting to pick it back up again, and we're we're looking pretty solid.
Certainly. And uh, with that win, UMass moves into fourth place in the Hockey East standings. Let's go. They uh, they jump a couple spots, so they're they're in the position for that bye now. Still a lot, a lot of time to go, a lot of games to play. I think mm-hmm. I, I think that game was the halfway point for UMass of their conference schedule. So um, a lot to be figured out still, but good to be in a, in a solid position there in the standings. Uh, it's exactly where you want to be at this point. 100% feeling great right now. I really, I didn't even know that we were in fourth, honestly. So the fact yeah. that, you know, we've moved up that way, I mean, it's definitely encouraging for sure. All right. What do you say we, we jump into our awards here? Yes, sir. All right. So the first one that we like to give out is the CCC Carvel's character and compete, basically the player of the game and a uh, little debate here. It's Michael Hrabble. Yes, sir. Um, he, he played great. Again, we talked about it at the jump. Um, he's been having a lot of good bounce back games this year. And this was one of them. After giving up four against Merrimack, he comes out, gives up only one. He faced a lot of shots, too. 35 shots he faced. He saved 34 of them. Um, and the the one that he did give up really didn't have a chance on. Team just couldn't clear the puck. Um, Northeastern was getting a lot of zone time. So don't don't fully blame that one on him. He looked phenomenal. He made a lot of, I wouldn't say highlight real saves, but uh, saves in big moments when he needed to. He was, uh, it was good for UMass to be able to lean on him in a night where they only scored two. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, he, he was the reason why, you know, we were, we were still in the game. You know, he made good cross crease saves. His glove looked better than usual. That's kind of something that mm-hmm. we've been harping on a little bit. It's just, his, you know, his glove side has been a little shaky at times. He had a, a clutch save, I think with about a minute, minute and a half left where, you know, Northeastern was getting a little bit of zone time. The puck, you know, he didn't necessarily catch it with his glove. You know, I think it ended up squirting loose a little bit in the corner, but he ended up making the save. You know, his glove was there. Regardless of if he trapped the puck or not, he at least blocked it from going into the net. So that was huge. He, you know, he, he looked great on the night, realistically. I mean, not not too much more you can say, but, you know, like you kind of said earlier, you know, his bounce back ability has been very good. Like, don't get me wrong. We can still say that Harabel can be very inconsistent at times. I feel like, you know, dude, that's that's not a hot take at all. I feel like most people would agree with us there. But when he's on his game, he is something special. You know, he will damn near single-handedly win you a game. He's also had some moments where he may have single-handedly lost us a couple games. So, you know, you're going to take the good with the bad with him. And right now, he's he's looking great. And we're hoping, you know, over the course of the next, you know, these next couple of years, he's only going to get better and more consistent and he'll be putting up way more performances like this rather than, you know, Vermont level uh, performances mm-hmm. sometimes. So very happy for Rabble for him to get the CCC here. Fully deserved. For, for sure. And he, he earned it on his 19th birthday. Uh, the day That's the game, huge. Uh, was his 19th birthday. He gets the CCC. So a complete birthday weekend for Michael Rabble. I also just wanted to highlight 17 saves in the third period. Uh, he, huge. he faced 17 shots and saved all of them. So, uh, when it mattered most, he got the job done, and that's why he's CCC. Happy birthday, Harabal. Good job, buddy. Let's go. All right. Next award we give out is the Good Try Award, uh, somebody who we expect a little more from in the next game. And not a lot of options for this one. You get one game. You get a nice win. Uh, but there was one that stuck out for us. It's it's Lucas Mercury. Obviously, he's been having a great bounce-back season, so our, our expectations of him are a, a higher. Um, so... To see a performance like this from him, he was three for three and thirteen in the faceoff dot. Um, that's never going to get it done. No. Uh, and he also had two penalties: one in the first period, and the other was that five-minute boarding call. We do disagree with it, but um, again, kind of slim pickings for this game. So the two penalties uh, giving your team seven minutes of penalty killing, and uh, 
three for three and 13 face-off performance. Uh, I think that's deserving of a good try. Not too many options here, though. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I mean, don't get me wrong. The whole team sucked at face-offs. You know, that was probably the one major drawback from our performance. Like, in everything, basically, except for face-offs, we were absolutely dominating. And then the face-offs, I don't, I don't know what happened. We only had three face-off takers on the night. I don't know if it's a case of us not trusting Gorman in the face-off dot. Um, because I noticed that, you know, I'm pretty sure he ended up, you know, I might want to double check the line charts actually. Let's see if I can see them very quickly. Uh, yes, Liam Gorman five in the faceoffs also. Was he? I, where are you seeing that? I'm checking the, the box score right now and it says he hasn't taken any. It says oh oh for five, uh, in the main box score off the UMass schedule. Weird. That's exactly what I'm looking at right now. And there's, it has like a little dash as if like it didn't exist. I'm assuming it probably broke again because it, he didn't win one. I'm assuming. So maybe I'll have to tell <laughs> Jillian about that. That might be another thing I might have to let her know about, but Hey, good to know that you're filling that in. So that's actually a little bit of a stat correction. Then looks like he took mm -hmm. five and he didn't win a single one. So it looks like all four centers really weren't getting the job done in the faceoff dot. But yeah, I mean, just to kind of touch on, you know, Mercury one last time, I mean, a couple penalties, no face-offs, really didn't put in a lot of work offensively, admittedly. He kind of just – it was a game where he was just kind of invisible. You know what I mean? It happens mm -hmm. from time to time. You're not going to expect all 12 of your forwards to be popping off every game. It is what it is. You know, reset, back to the drawing board. He'll be good in a couple weeks. You know what I mean? I'm. We know what Mercury can bring to the table. That's why we have the high expectations for him. It is what it is. You know what I mean? This isn't like a permanent award. He's probably going to wow us and get a Hattie next game. You know what I mean? We, we know what Merch can do. So we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, this yep. game, wish he could have done a little bit better. Yeah, we're not concerned in the slightest. But for this game, um, he gets a good try. Yes, sir. All right, I guess I'll, uh, I'll switch it up. How about I go first for the custom award this time around? Sounds like a plan. Go for it. Um, so the custom award that I'm going to give out, it's called the Fourth String Goalie Award. Um, obviously, UMass has three goalies, uh, but we have a secret fourth, and we found that out on Saturday in the third period when Northeastern was pouring on a lot of pressure. Uh, they got a couple rapid-fire shots off of uh, on the rabble. He was able to save them. They get a, a, a rebound and another chance. Uh, gets past rabble in the tie game, but Lyndon Alger is there in the crease. He's able to make a kick save on what would have for sure been a go-ahead goal in the third period. So um, we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, we didn't know Alger had that in his bag um, in terms of skill. He slides into the crease and he makes a beautiful kick save to save yeah. the game. Um, absolutely unbelievable uh, moment right there. So great job, Lyndon Alger. He is our, uh, our new secret fourth string goalie going forward. Yeah, can can we take this moment actually? Can we can we make like a little bit of like a like a Lyndon Alger appreciation post? Like <laughs> I feel like his growth has been unbelievable. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure he's a senior right now. This kid, I, he he was basically the extra defenseman, borderline kind of just like practice guy. You know what I mean? In in the first season, I think he barely saw the ice. You know what I mean? And I think it was more or less in like emergency, like you know injury situations. He wasn't really slated to be a starter. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Like, that was kind of why he was recruited here. He was just kind of, you know, another guy to, to join the team and be, you know, high character, be a really good teammate, but maybe not to be the most pivotal guy on, on our on our defensive unit. But he has grown so much. You know what I mean? Like, he's looked borderline, you know, maybe top three defensemen on the team behind 
uh, Ufko and Moro in these past couple weeks. You know, absolutely electric hands to to set up uh, that Loschmelis goal a couple weeks ago. Now he's playing unbelievable defense and literally making game saving saves. You know what I mean? On in the crease. You know, like last second, he has improved so much. He looks very very good now. I used to think like, oh man, like Alger's in the lineup. You know what I mean? Like I wonder, you know, who's you know who he's replacing or you know like who's injured for him to take their spot. He's he's earned every single minute that he that he's on right now. You know what I mean? I am. Mm-hmm. So happy for him. I think, you know, he's done a tremendous job developing. That's, he's another, in my eyes, he reminds me a lot of like Colin Felix. You know what I mean? Like a guy that, let's be honest, he wasn't the best hockey player when he joined UMass. You know what I mean? But he's grown so much and he's learned how to play defense so much better. I am very, very impressed with what the coaching staff has done. You know what I mean? To try and help develop our players and also just for the overall team mentality and how coachable that these players can be. You know what I mean? That's that right there to me is the perfect kind of high character culture that we're building at UMass, you know, fast, hard, prepared. We are preparing every single night, you know, to, to get ready to play and just just super happy for Lyndon because this, this award, I feel like kind of culminates, not just this moment, but I feel like a lot of his career at UMass, in my opinion, I might be going crazy when I say that, but I, I'm just really happy for him. No, I think I think what you're saying sounds good to me. And uh, I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but our preseason superlatives, I did have him tabbed as the most improved. So, uh, oh, that is. I, I, I saw that in Alger from the start. So, uh, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> good, good job, Lyndon Alger. Uh, we've seen some great performances from him uh, over the last few games, especially. So, uh, great to see, and we're hoping for more going forward. Yeah, definitely. And all right, I, let's all uh, right. switch over to your custom award. So we're going to keep up with the defensive theme here, but I'm giving it to a uh, recent uh, 100 games played uh, award recipient for the NCAA. Giving it to Samuli Ninasari. I call it the back with a vengeance award. This guy was out for what, five, six weeks? You know what I mean? I With some sort of injury. I think it might have been like knee related. I'm not actually sure, but. We just gotta say UMass is so non-transparent about their injuries. Yeah, it's so hard yeah. to figure I out mean, what's going on with these guys. Yeah, it's it's a little. I mean, to be fair, it, it could very well be like some like weird like you know like medical law thing. You know what I mean? We're like because they're still technically amateur, maybe they're not like required to like you know report these things. I don't know. Point is though, he's been out for a while. He comes back, hundredth game played in in his NCAA career. And he bossed it. You know what I mean? He was doing his thing. He ended up being a was a plus one on the night. Yeah, he was a plus one on the night. He ended up having two shots on goal. Team leading three blocks, though. Might not have had as more of an important block as Lyndon Alger. You know, Lyndon Alger literally only had that one block in the game, but it was a monumental block. I think uh, I think our boy Samuli here was going for a bit more volume. You know, he was he was more of a quantity over quality type of guy, but you can just really feel that his presence, you know, back on that on that defensive end it's such an uplifting presence to the whole team. You know what I mean? He, dare I say, I mean, I don't even think this is that hot of a take. He's probably our most important transfer this season. You know what I mean? He he looks absolutely amazing. You know, I feel like some of our Ivy League transfers haven't been amazing in recent memory. You know, like, I don't know, I'll, I'll name them. Like Cam Donaldson wasn't huge. I think he was from Dartmouth. And I think Matt Baker wasn't that amazing. I think he was from Clarkson. I don't remember though. But we had a couple Ivy transfers and, I mean, Ninasari's been absolutely blowing every single transfer that we've had out the water for the most part. You know what I mean? Like, when I think of, like, just overall transfers that have absolutely been amazing at UMass, I'm thinking of the two St. Lawrence guys that, you know, that Carvey brought over. Like, Carson Gusevich, 
probably scored one of the most important goals in UMass history, I'm pretty sure. He was absolutely nuts. Well, that was actually Garrett Wade, but another really good transfer, by the way. But, um, you know, both him and Jacob Pritchard were absolutely massive, but I feel like just for a defensive, you know, transfer, Samuel Nassari is probably the best one that we've had in recent memory. So very, very happy for him. I'm happy that he's back and he's healthy, and I'm hoping that he continues to, cr- to play great for the rest of the season. Yeah, and hopefully he's going to be able to solve some of the defensive issues that have been happening, not every game, but uh, here and there, just some defensive breakdowns we've noticed. Um, he's a big body to to kind of hang back, uh, stay home defenseman. So really big to have him back, and I think he's going to be huge down the stretch. Bless up, Samuli. All right, uh, let's jump over to our out-of-town Hockey East scores before uh, we preview the next game for UMass. A lot of Hockey East games on the schedule, so uh, I'll just go through them here. UMass Lowell went up to Maine for two games. Maine smoked them both games, 5-3, 7 Lowell's having a pretty miserable season, and we're going to see Maine soon. They're having a, the exact opposite of that, so kind of kind of expected there. UNH uh, connected with UConn for a series. They played the first game on Friday night uh, in stores. New Hampshire blew out UConn five nothing in that game. The second game is actually happening as we record right now. I believe there's no score in that one. BU headed up to Vermont for two games, uh, and they dominated as well five one and five two. A lot of blowouts on the hockey schedule this week. Um, BC played at Merrimack on Friday and on Sunday. Uh, they played in Boston. Well, not Boston, Newton. Uh, BC won both games. 6-4 and 6-2, uh, a lot of high-scoring games here. And then Providence had Alaska Anchorage come for a two-game series. Providence won the first game 2-0 and lost the second game 4 nothing. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really brutal outcome for them. They're kind of on a, a skid of their own lately. So a lot of high scores in Hockey East this week. Any of them stick out particularly to you? I mean, I gotta say, it's the Providence one, right? Like, yeah. I know that's kind of a low-hanging fruit, but good lord, man, four nothing to Alaska Anchorage is pretty nuts. You know, the <laughs> like, team that we beat eleven to two, by the way. I, yeah, I mean, come on, guys, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, I I understand, like, and it was the same thing that happened with us, right? Like, comfortable, very comfortable first, you know, first mm-hmm. game win. You're probably gonna chalk that up to jet lag or whatever, because they don't, don't get more what, comfortable than that. Yeah, that's what I'm, well, that's what my point though is. I'm just yeah. saying, like between like our games with them and Providence's games, like they comfortably win the first one in both series, and then the second game, like don't get me wrong, I feel like you know we won pretty handily. Granted, I wasn't at that game. The 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 UMass uh, Alaska won the second game. Um, I was at a work party, which was really fun. I wish I was obviously at Mullins, but it is what it is. Um, we ended up you know getting a pretty convincing three two win. I'd say I don't know. You might want to correct me there, but it seemed like it was, you know, pretty, pretty comfortable. It did get sketchy for a little bit. But. Okay. But I mean, at least it's not to the sketchiness of a 4 nothing loss. You yes. know what I mean? That's, that's kind of my oh, main point here is, you know, getting shut out. I'm pretty, you know, obviously I'm, I'm going to assume it was at home at Providence because yes. I hope that they, uh, they, they end up making the trek out there <laughs> one day's notice. But uh, yeah, I mean, a 4 nothing loss, especially to Alaska like that in the second game is shocking to say the least i mean don't get me wrong every every college hockey team gonna have a couple blunders i feel like providence is no different you know they're probably gonna end up bouncing back and being just fine but if you got to pick a shocker game that's definitely the one to pick i feel like yeah it seems like the rest of the outcomes played out exactly how you'd think yeah so um yeah a lot of high scores around hockey east 
UMass will not be playing um, a game in Hockey East or out of conference next week. They have the full weekend off, so uh, tough for us, especially after a win. We just want to keep watching UMass hockey, yeah. but we won't be able to. The next game will be in two weeks. It'll be Friday, February 2nd at Merrimack again. So uh, we played at Merrimack for a game last week. Three weeks after that, we'll be playing another one-off at, at Merrimack. Um, kind of, we'll, we'll go through this a little quick because we've just seen them. Yeah. Um, we just had the home and home. UMass won the first one four to three, lost the second one four to one. Um, always Lawler, a very tough place to play. Um, that's no secret at all. Um, Merrimack plays well there, even though they're having a down season this year, especially compared to the seasons they've had the last few years. But um, I think I think really anything can happen in this game. UMass is going to have to come out laser focused. Um, I think having a good first period is going to be very key in this game. I'd hate to see them fall behind quick to a team like Merrimack in that building uh, that could get pretty ugly. We saw that get ugly last weekend. So um, another really important one for UMass to get points in Hockey East. I think it's just going to be another case of, you know, it's going to be another, another tight game. You know what I mean? Like we ended up beating them at home. We lost to them away. That away loss wasn't a one goal game. I think it was four one, right? Four if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we got to do better than that. I think, you know, Merrimack, might you know i mean right now they just got creamed by bc you know what i mean which to be fair isn't really a, a any sort of shocker you know what i mean bc mm -hmm. is just kind of nasty this season so that's not really a, a crazy loss when you think about it but i think we got to come into this game with with the mentality of we need to we need to get some revenge you know yeah we we you know we got pretty thoroughly outplayed you know when we when we played them away I think coming off of that Northeastern win, we have a lot of time to prepare for them specifically. You know what I mean? Like we, you know, granted that weekend, so we're going to play Merrimack, you know, and then basically what is it, the day after we play Maine? Yeah. So it, it might be a little odd where, you know, you're basically preparing for two different teams in the same weekend. That might get a little, you know, awkward when it comes to, you know, coaching and just practice and, you know, trying to find, you know, game film, like who are you preparing for? Because, what are they going to do? Just only watch film, you know, the night before for, for the main game, you know, it, it might get a little weird. I don't know how practices are run. You can clearly tell I'm not a freaking collegiate coach. Like, I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious, but I mean, just, just kind of at a baseline level it might be a little awkward for everybody to try and prepare for both of those games at the same time. So I'm curious to see how that happens, but yeah, I mean, you got to take the games one at a time in the grand scheme of things. We got to get it done against Merrimack that's the more winnable game of the two in my opinion maine is buzzing right now like maine's gonna be a really really tough opponent ben Barr, you know we we know what he can bring to the table because he was a part of our program just a couple of years ago you know we know how good of a coach he is we know how good of a recruiter he is maine is now nasty under his tutelage you know what i mean we knew it was going to happen eventually you know it took him a couple of years to really get things rolling but maine is a freaking wagon right now we got to bring our a game when it comes to playing them as well so yeah, main main focus is obviously going to be Merrimack, you know, first and foremost. So let's hope, you know, get it done against them, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting weekend. We'll have the the Merrimack recap out as soon as we can, uh, either right after that game or uh, the next morning. It'll be released, but we're going to record right after the game, um, and we'll have a little main preview in there as well. But, yeah, really tricky weekend to try to navigate playing two different teams back-to-back -back days. Uh, I don't want to go off topic too much, but I feel like I have to say this. I just, one of the weirdest ads I've ever gotten going to check our uh, our pairwise. It's a uh, a USCHO ad. 
Um, and it's it's a poll. It says which Hobie winner's last name is not on the Stanley Cup. And the picture in the background is Zach Jones, in the UMass jersey skating. Uh, I figured Whoa. I'd just bring that up. What a really weird ad. Yeah. Why? <laughs> What kind of what kind of like you know error led to that? That just doesn't seem <laughs> right. Like, I they they could have put so many different people on that. You know what I mean? Like, I this is not, this is not me throwing shade at Zach Jones. Freaking love Zach Jones. Hoping I can see him play in person pretty soon. You, good good friend of the pod. You know, dare I say? I feel like he's a wicked cool guy. He probably still checks out some of the stuff that we do on occasion, but. Yeah, really, really weird. You know, just you know, it just doesn't really fit. You know what I mean? It's not like he went <laughs> a Hobie or nothing. Like what? I don't. I mean, you know, if he stuck around for one more season, it might have happened. You know what I mean? We can we can play. You yeah. know, who knows? But yeah, that's that's definitely a weird one. So I'm happy to go off topic when it's something like that. That is uh, that's freaking weird <laughs> to to put it lightly. Yeah, I figured it was relevant enough to bring up. But anyway, I'm checking the pairwise. I, I figured it's a good time with a shorter episode to talk about. Hockey East this year and how good it really is. Um, Merrimack, our, our upcoming opponents, ranked 27th in pairwise. Their overall records 10, 12, and 1, but they're ranked 27th. Um, UConn, they're 9, 11, and 2. They're ranked 25th. Northeastern dropped with their loss to us. Uh, they're 28th with a 7, 12, and 2 record. Um, and the only team lower than that in Hockey East is Vermont. They're 32nd. So out of 64 teams, they're, all of Hockey East is in the top 32, which is absolutely insane. There are no easy games in Hockey East. Um, obviously, playing Northeastern, uh, Merrimack, and UConn the last few weeks, those are some of the easier teams in Hockey East, but there are no gimmies this year. and This is like the first year in recent memory where there's no gimmies at all. Yeah, I don't want to hear from anybody ever again that Hockey East is not the best collegiate hockey conference. Like, I feel like we've known this for a bit, and it's just being proven time and time again. Like, it is by far the strongest holistically conference. Like, how many how many teams do we have right now that are in, like, the top 15? I think there's, like, what, six? Yeah, like, I'll, I'll run through them. BU yeah, 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 one, let's do it real quick. BU 1, BC 2, Maine yeah. 5. Um, Providence 11, New Hampshire tied for 11, UMass 13, uh, Connecticut 25, Merrimack 27, Northeastern 28, Vermont 32. So that's yeah, all so of them. That so we had, we had six, right, in the top 15? Yep. Yeah, so that right there, I mean, there we have a legitimate claim to potentially having, what is that, six teams in, you know, the, the national tournament? Yeah, like, if the, if the season in theory today, we would have seven. Six. In theory, it could. it could be seven, right? Like, let's say you know, who knows? I'm not going to speak this under existence, but let's say like UConn, right, just has a crazy run in the yeah. in the playoffs and just manages to win. Like, we we could have seven teams in the yeah. in the tournament. Like, that's nuts to me. You know what I mean? Like, that would be absolutely insane. Just the conference as a whole. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to see teams that aren't UMass win. You know what I mean? But like. In the grand scheme of things, the stronger that Hockey East is, the better it's going to be for everybody because there's going to be more eyes on the conference, better recruits, better quality of hockey. It, it's going to uplift the whole thing. You know, I still want, you know, anytime that another team, you know, loses, I'm smiling because UMass is just moving up in the rankings, obviously. But I I get that, you know, you want I want I want UMass to be first, but I want basically the rest of hockey East to be two, three, four, five, six. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like that that would be my perfect world is if we had, 
basically all of our teams just make up like the top like 12 teams or 11 teams in just, you know, all of, all of collegiate hockey, but it's obviously a pipe dream. It's not going to happen, but that would be super cool. So hockey news is absolutely electric right now. And that's why I feel like this season has been really, really tough to do pods for because we don't know what the hell we're going to get when it comes to any game, you know, Merrimack could look like the greatest team of all time or a very mid team. You just never know. Every team in this conference is able to beat essentially anybody. And that makes it super exciting, but also super nerve wracking for me as a, you know, like a massive fan, the way that I am, you know, I can never get a nice comfortable game where I'm like, Oh yeah, we'll win the six, nothing, no big deal. Like every game is dangerous and scary. So it's always fun. It is. And uh, yeah, if the season ended today, six teams minimum would make the the national tournament from hockey East, which is uh, crazy to say there's no other conference that can say that. I don't believe so. Um, yeah, competition's fierce this year. Uh, it's been a fun but stressful watch, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. I'd say stressful is definitely a good term for it, for sure. Yeah. All right, I think that's everything we had for this one. Um, it'll be a little bit before you, you hear from us. I think we might do an episode next week. We're, we're going to have to talk about it, so be on the lookout. But uh, our next game recap will come next late, late next Friday night against Merrimack. So uh, thank you guys for listening once again. Happy to get another UMass dub finally. Uh, it's felt like it's been so long since the regulation win, even though it's only been a week. We got the one with yeah. Merrimack, but um, just feels really good to get one, especially on the road. So thank you guys for listening to our recap. And go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. And we'll talk to you in quite a little bit, but we have some really good content coming along the way, so, so stay tuned.